Hey, a reminder about our videos on sale right now. Go to 2018.coachingu.tv. $249 for 15 videos. Some of the best speakers that you've ever heard. The content's incredible. 10 MBA coaches. You must get them. Order today. Hey, welcome to another edition of the Coaching You podcast with the coach, Brendan Sir. And I'm so excited today. Seth Greenberg, a longtime friend, ESPN broadcaster, and uh, one of the four hosts on Game Day is our guest, along with Jake the Wonder Dog. Jake is an incredible addition to our podcast. It's a long podcast, but I'm telling you, stick with it. It gets better as we go along. We've been friends since high school. I think you're going to love this. After a short break, we're going to come back. Fast Model Sports is the world's most versatile basketball coaching software to help power your preparation. Fast Model has developed the industry's best coaching software, including the number one play diagramming and playbook software, FastDraw. FastDraw bridges the gap between whiteboarding and the digital world with an incredibly easy-to-use interface that can be used on both your computer and your iPad, providing maximum portability for your own personal play and drill database. doesn't stop there. Along with FastDraw, they have other great programs such as FastScout, which I have used, which helps coaches create clean professional sky reports customized for your team. FastModel is trusted and used by every NBA team and WNBA team and 85% of Division I college teams and over 8,000 high school and youth teams from over 75 countries around the world. In addition to a great product, they also provide basketball coaching resources through their blog and play bank, which features over 5,000 free plays and drills for their online coaching community. For access... To these plays and more information, visit FastModelSports.com or follow them on Twitter at FastModel. Back at Coaching You Podcast with the coach, Brendan Sir, and so excited today uh, to have an old, old friend as our guest, Seth Greenberg from ESPN. But most importantly, uh, as a disclaimer, we've known each other since he was in high school and we were five-star campers together. And um, Seth... Uh, Welcome, my friend. It's long overdue. Well, thanks for having me. And yeah, I mean, it, it all starts at five star for so many of us, you know, Brandon, as you know. I mean, that's kind of, uh, if you think about it, you know, golf impacted so many lives and built so many bridges for all of us to kind of chase our dream. And, uh, you know, I'm not sure that bridge exists anymore. Uh, and I think of him often and uh, am thankful that I came along at a time where a guy that was a step slow and couldn't jump over a telephone booth but loved the game had a, an outlet to uh, to follow and chase his dream, not maybe as a player but as, as someone that you know basically got lost in the game. So we've known each other for a long time, a lot of good stories. Yeah, you know, I think when I think back to their um... – you know, me being so much older than you, that'll that'll help your fans out a lot. But uh, <laughs> but 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 I was the first camper there when we had forty eight of us, and UB is my high school coach, and we have forty eight of us going there. Marvin Kessler's there, of course, and and uh, I mean, it, it, and it's Roy Rubin actually, you know, and and uh, the very first five star, and it, and it was it was amazing, and 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 I remember then we had. A, 
24 kids playing in the college division, 24 in the NBA, because that's the way it had to be. You know, it didn't, mm-hmm. we had 23 and one, we were screwed, but it was, it was so neat. And you know what? And it changed my life. First of all, having you be as a coach changed my life, but then to get there and to see that. And Seth, I don't know if you know this, the very first year that I'm there, the, the lecturers at the, at five star, with 48 kids, imagine, you know, if we, you and I had, a, you still have basketball camp, a real good one. But if you had 48 campers and to say, uh, the speakers this week will be uh, Bob Knight, uh, Chuck Daly, uh, George Raffling, <laughs> you know, and it's like, are you kidding me? Uh, you know, and those, those are the guys we had speaking to us the very first year. And Rav, of course, was an assistant at Villanova. Chuck was an assistant at Duke. Knight was the coach at West Point. And, and my God, I mean, just to, to get these guys to come and teach you. And what an influence they had on all of us, you know, and you think back. And so at 14 years of age, that's when I met Chuck Daly. And then to later work wow. with him for so many years, it's like, how did this ever happen, right? You know, it, it just, but that's the way the whole business started for us with relationships. Uh, Garf was incredible, one of a kind. You're right, it will never be duplicated. What are some of the things that you pulled out of Five Star that influenced your career? I think almost, you know, I think the biggest thing that I learned from Five Star is uh, one, how to work. I mean, you remember mm-hmm. now, we did those four stations every single morning for 20 minutes. Outdoors, and if you didn't do and outdoors, and if you didn't do a good job, you you were held accountable. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, which is important. Uh, I think the most other thing I learned is to listen and hear, and <laughs> sometimes keep your mouth shut. Because I remember many a time going down to the old fireside, mm. and there would be Marv Kessler, there would be UB Brown, there would be Chuck Daly, there would be Coach Knight, uh, and you'd be a fly on the wall. You'd try to get as close to that table as possible. Yeah, tell, tell, and just tell the listen. listeners tell the listeners what the fireside was. Yeah. But well, the fireside was that right down the hill in Honesdale, <laughs> where the camp was at one time. There was just this little hole in the wall. It's actually the food was very good. It was really good. <laughs> uh, a little restaurant that was for the area, and it was about four or five miles down the road from camp. And um, in the evening, if you didn't have to have bunk, bunk duty where you had to make sure that kids were doing what they're supposed to do you could go down and you know as a young counselor you would literally uh just sit there and listen yes and uh i think that uh those stories and those messages and how passionate the people were about the game was was so impactful and then the other thing is i still have it it's crazy i took notes at every single lecture that i ever attended at five star Wow. So, I mean, uh, you know, whether it was Jimmy Lynham, whether it was UB Brown, whether it was Chuck Daly, whether it was uh, Rick Pitino, whether it was uh, Staff Day, uh, I would attend one of those lectures. And then, then, you know, obviously to go full circle, I went from a guy that took notes to giving the lecture. But, uh, you know, that was basically my foundation uh, for my coaching philosophy and, and, and what I, you know, what, what I, and they w- was enabled to do. Uh, so, I mean, you know, whether it was the people that you met, uh, the network you developed, uh, everyone was there for the right reason. We never, no, I don't think anyone even thought about money. I didn't ever even thought about, you know, where the end of the road was. Uh, I just wanted to coach. I wanted to learn. I wanted to teach. I, I was prideful in what I was doing. 
you know, obviously the profession has changed a, a great deal. I mean, my first job was at Columbia for twelve five. I thought I was a millionaire. Um, you know, so I mean, you know, when I think of five star, I think of lectures. I think of morning mini lecture. I think of stations. I think of station thirteen. Getting fire, station station 13. thirteen. I I think of getting fired by Garf about a hundred times. <laughs> uh, I think I think of watching him fall asleep into Wendy and Wendy's calling for lemonade. Uh, but I mean, those were all those experiences kind of shaped who I am today. As you know, whether it was a coach or what I'm doing now today in broadcasting. Uh, and you think about the people that you know came through the camp. You talk about Yubi, you talk about Mike Fratello, you talk about Patino, you talk about Calipari, you talk about you know some of the of of the most impactful coaches in our game today. And they were all treated the same. Either you did a good job, or you or or you that that opportunity was taken away from you. Do you remember? Um, so you know, it's the best basketball camp ever in the world, in my opinion. You know, so. And and there was no AAU basketball back then. So if you wanted to recruit college high school players, you came to five star basically in the beginning. With back no when, numbers on the jersey. That's what I was just <laughs> going to tell you. So there's no numbers on a on a t shirt. And there's there's no jerseys. There's t shirts, orange t shirts. And, and shirts and skins you're playing. And I can the way I made developed relationships was guys like Lefty Drizel coming up to me and they say who's so-and-so because they had no idea who players were who's the best player on this court and you got to talk to people you would never get a chance to talk to and like i'm still in college at the time and it was just a great way to to make contacts to form relationships with people because they needed us to just figure out who the hell the guys were and it was priceless you know to do that yeah the kid the kid in the red sneakers who was that guy uh, tom lagarde <laughs> Yeah, oh, that, that's, uh, I never forget, Lefty goes, Who, who's the big white boy? And I said, that's Jim Graziano, the number one center in the country at the time from Long Island. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, uh, you know, and I, I talk about, you know, the kids got to play a half a game. You know, here they are, yep. which is similar First to what we First and third, have. second and fourth. You yep. wanted to be a second and fourth guy because the game was, the better players played in the second and fourth quarter. And so I'm coaching Butch Lee. I'm a college player, and I'm oh. coaching in the NBA. I, I like, you know, and there's terrific high school coaches. They're not coaching the NBA. I'm in the NBA coaching, and I got Butch Lee on my team, and he's playing Tommy Hicks, the number one point guard in the country yeah. from Long Island. That was my class. That was my class. Oh, was that yours? Yeah, so you're playing at yeah, the that camp. that was my class. Yeah, and so yeah. Uh, I, I am playing on, and you remember this, court one, up on the hill, at five star and outdoor court, like a nine o'clock at night game, you know, <laughs> under the lights. And I got Butch Lee versus Tommy Hicks. And Butch Lee, second and fourth quarter, scores 50 points against Tommy Hicks. And well, coaching. I, I, I know. I don't even know if I had one play on our team. I don't even know. I don't even know what I did then. I mean, it, that's how that's how f f much fun it was. It was all about the players and stuff. But what an experience! But you did. You learned how to teach, how to coach. Our our friend Mike Fratello was there, you know, and Dave Odom, you know, another dear friend of ours. You know, you worked for you know later on, right? You worked for did you yeah work worked with Dave, Dave? Virginia. Then his son worked for me at South Florida exactly. and Virginia Tech. In incredible and and so yeah, you know life. you know now you have exactly and now you have these guys and i first met dave odom 
working as the coach at Durham High School when UB has Fratello and me and Brian Hill down to work at Duke's basketball camp when he's the assistant there. And Dave Odom's the local high school guy. And, you know, you, we say, come on, come work for Teletism, come work at Five Star. And that's how Dave's really ascended, you know, which is so yeah. which is so great, you know. But That's how the profession was back then because, you know, guys got co- hired for coaching. Yeah. And that's uh, that's the biggest difference. Now, you know, guys are getting hired. It's recruiting-centric because tricky players make tricky coaches. And uh, you've got to acquire talent. But, uh, you know, to me, you know, the none of us thought about anything but coaching. And then, you know, obviously recruiting came part of it. And, look, we had an advantage working five-star because we got to know some of those kids sure. in a different way. I'm not sure we re- – you know, at my age, and my first job was at Columbia. I'm, I'm not sure I recruited anyone from – from right. five star. But when I went to Pitt because of a relationship that I developed in Clyde Vaughn for no other reason, but just working them out. I mean, like I was, that? I was a young, ambitious kid that Clyde Vaughn had a great work ethic. He liked my dribbling station. He grabbed me one day. So coach, would you work me out? So two years in a row, I ended up working him out. He ended up MVP to camp. We're not recruiting him at all. Obviously at Columbia, I get the pit job. First call I make is Clyde Vaughn. He remembered that I worked him out and that I cared about him. And how about he ended that? up being one of the all-time leaders in scoring in the history of Pitt. Uh, so it's a, uh, you know, the, the profession is, uh, is changed. And, you know, I think that's the thing that's missing is that uh, guys getting into coaching because of the love of the game uh, and, you know, five-star you know, graduate assistants, all those things are so important in developing young coaches. And a lot of that stuff has been taken away. So uh, you remembered your first salary at Columbia. I, I remember mine. Uh, my first job was with Dickie V at the university of Detroit. Uh, I hadn't even graduated. I was two months away from graduating at Montclair state. And so I, uh, I go there and he says, uh, I'll give you, there's only two assistants right back then. And he goes, I'll give you $9,000. Man, I thought I hit the lottery. $9,000, 1973, April 73. I said, wow, this is phenomenal. And so I found out about a month later how much Dick got. Do you want to guess how much Dick was getting as the head coach? He probably got 22.5 or 25. 17.5, because he was coming from an assistant at Rutgers. 17.5. You know, one of the greatest talents I've ever seen in this game. And that's, that's, and you know what? He worked as hard as he does now for seventeen five. That's what that's what was so great, and I think it taught us our work ethic. You know that we had Seth. You know, and but tell me this: I love what you're doing on game day. You have a team there with Reese, both Jays, Williams, and Billis. The chemistry is incredible, but it's just no different than a basketball team or a coaching staff. You guys, you and you have fun. You jab each other, you know, but you you guys know your stuff inside out. Talk about that, how that, you know, you know, you turned what it was a bad thing, you know, when you lose your job at Virginia Tech into really, I, I think it's just this incredible thing that you're doing now. I've been very fortunate. I don't take for granted the opportunities that have been given me, uh, any of the opportunities, whether it was the assistant coaching job at Columbia or uh, having an opportunity to become the head coach at Long Beach State uh, before I'm 30 years old or. Uh, you know, surviving South Florida and getting the Virginia Tech job. And, uh, and yeah, you know, losing your job uh, when your daughter's going to be a senior in high school and your mm-hmm. other daughter's going to be a senior in college at university is difficult. And, uh, 
you know, and it, it surely knocks you back, uh, especially since you think you're doing a pretty good job. We had the fifth winningest team in the ACC over a five-year period, a third winningest team in the ACC over a five-year period. And we had a great recruit coming in, kind of named Montrez Harrell, and we started mm-hmm. for, fresh, for freshmen. But you got to move on. And you got, you know, when you have a family, and Brendan, you know this, mm-hmm. and, and, and our professor, we're in a family, you know, you're in a lot of ways the head coach, and you're, you're, I have three daughters. They're looking to me for, you know, direction. And, uh, you know, what we did was fortunate for me. Uh, you know, ESPN offered me this opportunity. And instead of commuting, I moved to Connecticut. I moved to, to Avon, Connecticut. We picked up. My daughter had to change schools her senior year of, of high school. My other daughter graduated a semester early, so she didn't have to be on campus uh, during the thick of the basketball season, her senior year of college. Uh, and, uh, you know, ESPN afforded me this opportunity to share my passion and my love and, uh, uh, and enabling me to still get lost in the game. And as that developed, uh, so, you know, the first thing I did was, you know, I had a you can't do anything with one foot in. You, you've got to have both feet in. You've got to be totally committed. You've got to immerse yourself in the culture, not a saying or a sign, but actually the culture of, of what an organization is. And from there, we've been able to, you know, obviously get put on game day about four years ago, I think. And, uh, you know, it, respect is the whole thing. It's no different than a coaching staff. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, in a lot of ways, Reese is our head coach because he runs the show, or he's our point guard for sure. And then we have three people, uh, Jay Billis and uh, Jay Will and myself, who love the game, love everything about the game, are lost in the game, but look at the game through a different prism. I look at it through a coach's mm-hmm. journey. Uh, Jay Will looks at it through a player's journey. I mean, people forget he was two-time <laughs> NCAA Player of the Year. I, yeah. mean, I mean, when you even when you say it, it's just amazing. I, I scouted just, him. I scouted him when he was at yeah. the Pistons when he was Player of the Year. Oh, I thought he grown, was a, one of the man. best I ever saw. Yeah, he just and and maybe the nicest human oh, being, superstar in guy. the world. I mean, as he would say, when I see him, I'll probably see him a couple weeks ago. Coach, I love you. I said, yeah. yeah, I love you too, Jay. Well, he loves everyone. He's my guy. I mean, he really is. He's the little brother I never wanted. <laughs> uh, and then I got I got Jay Billis, who looks through it uh, probably from a uh, attorney's perspective, some mm-hmm. a player's perspective, some, uh, and maybe more intellectually, not in terms of the game, but the things around the game, than both Jay and I do. Uh, and so. But we have respect. Like the best show would ever be if they, someone just ran a camera when we had dinner the night before the show. I bet yeah. that's about as good as it gets. But but the respect is the key, and and having Reese, uh, Reese is just so good. I mean, people just don't understand. Like he does college football game day with three hours, and he think you know, you, you, it makes it look easy. And believe me, one hour is not easy. Three hours is amazing. So uh, we are a team. We like each other. We, 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 we can agree to disagree, uh, which is really, really important. Um, and we are all passionate about our opinions and, uh, it really has been, it's been, it's been, a, it's been a fun deal. And obviously it's, it's kept me in the game. Um, uh, I get, I joke, I get the best seat in the house to, for the best games most nights. Jake yes. agrees. 
That's the wonder. Uh, do- the wonder dog is in the background. Jake, I love the wonder dog. Oh, the best. Jake, I my, love Jake. My, He's the best. Yeah, my right hand. <laughs> yeah. uh, but uh, and I'm I'm really fortunate. I'm part of a great team, and everyone, from the producers to directors, like we do Monday nights for uh, Big Monday. Jay, Will, and I, and, like we have a we have a producer, uh, Rob Lemley, who's as good as it gets. The produce, you know, they're all part of your team. Wow. And uh, you know, the biggest thing from that from those guys to the to the APs that help cut your tape that, you know, to, for sports center or, or for, you know, that telestrate your halftime stuff. And, uh, you got to treat it that way. You, you know, you got to take those young kids to, to, to dinner and you got to talk to them and teach them about the game. One, it makes your job easier, but also it makes them feel better. Like one of the things I've enjoyed the most is I've had three or four of the kids that just started cutting, cutting tape for me six years ago that right now are, in pretty high level positions, I got to get this dog to quiet down here. Pretty high level positions, higher level positions at ESPN because you know what? They were good. We enjoyed them, uh, and you know we 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 told some people about them. That's which great. Is, you know, which is important, and you know, and that and that you now that's the thing you miss when you're not coaching, Brendan. You 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 know it. You, you've lived it. Uh, you know, you miss not having an impact on others. Yes. The only person I impact is a gambler. <laughs> uh, and, I mean, because people want to know. I've never heard that, you but I, 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 I smile because now I, I understand what you're saying. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's, it, 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 it's a different thing. But uh, thank you. Uh, hold on a second here. Hold on a second here. All right, Jake the Wonder Dog just took a timeout, so while Seth is coaching him up, we're going to take a short break and be right back. Hey, let's take a second to tell you about one of our partners, Dr. Dish. Dr. Dish basketball shooting machines are the most high-tech and durable basketball shooting machines on the market today. Each shooting machine was designed specifically for high repetition training to allow players to improve through technology. Dr. Dish offers game-like training to give hundreds of shooting reps in just minutes and to provide powerful analytics to help players improve their game. Dr. Dish has also introduced Skill Builder, which is the first of its kind of basketball shooting industry that enables coaches and players to stay connected, design and upload training exercises that combine shooting, conditioning, and ball handling into one complete workout, and instantly receive feedback on their workout, allowing for real-time adjustments and improved performance. It is without question the most innovative basketball training machine on the market. It's been the official shooting machine of Coaching You for the last two years. To learn more about Dr. Dish, log on to drdishbasketball.com or follow them on Twitter at drdishbball. Jake, the one dog's losing his mind here. I've got, uh, I've got five Jack Russells, so I, I get it. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, I mean you're, the biggest thing is you miss, you know, like people have said, the two things you miss. You miss impacting someone's life. Yep. And it sounds crazy. You miss winning and losing. Yeah. You miss seeing if you can put together a plan and execute it and find a way to beat Duke at Duke or beat Carolina at Carolina or beat Kansas at Kansas, sir. You know, win at the Comcast Center. And then you miss, you know, you know I've spent a lot of time this, this last few years seeing former players. You know, I went out to California my old trainer passed away, and we had a reunion of my Long Beach guys. And then I went and spoke to uh, 
I went and spoke at a camp for my Virginia Tech guys, and that's what you miss. I mean, that's that's the thing that that kind of drives you a little bit. You know, you had so you, you know uh, you know there there's something came out. Uh, I read on on Twitter yesterday. They had the, it wasn't by ESPN. It was like the most underrated and overrated football college football coaches. It was the stupidest thing I'd ever heard, you know. And they're saying the guy at Penn State's overrated. Really, you know, really James Franklin's overrated. Okay, you know, and they're going through one of those things. You, my friend, and I, I'm the expert. You are probably the most underrated coach that I've seen, uh, and in in basketball for a period of fifteen twenty years. Uh, the job you did at Long Beach, the job you did at South Florida, which I know how hard that place is. And then you took what I thought was a near impossible situation at Virginia Tech and turned it into a power. Uh, you know, that that that's the hardest thing to do is to build a program, isn't it? Yeah, but I, I, it's, 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 it's the most fun thing to do. Yeah. I mean, because I, I, a funny story, when we went to Long Beach State, I was an assistant to Joe Harrington, and... Uh, <laughs> It's a great, it's a true story. It's a great story. So we're sitting there after working our first week there, and we walk into this place called Legends Bar and Grill. It's great, great wings. And the guy behind the bar is tenant. He goes, what are you guys doing here? You have no chance to win. That was one week on the job. <laughs> and uh, and uh, well, we found out his dad was the former coach. Oh. But, 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 but I mean, you look, you have to, you got to know who you are and how you're going to win. And each school is different. Like, I, I'm not happy with the job I did at, at South Florida because it took me too long to figure out exactly how we were going to win. Yeah. And each school is different. you got to figure out where you're going to recruit from. And, you know, at South Florida, I, we really recruited the state of Florida, and we did a really good job with it. But we needed some skill guys outside of the state to kind of pull it all together. And we didn't do a great job with that. At Virginia Tech, we figured out exactly what we needed to do. At Long Beach State, uh, we read I, when I became head coach. I redshirted every single guy that played for me except for Lucius Harris, and that's that's James Cotton, that's Brian yeah. Russell, and uh, you know those two guys played the NBA twelve years. So uh, you know, you know, to me, you got to figure out how you're going to win at each school. And you know, again, I'm, I'm proud of what I was able to accomplish. Long Beach was a lot of fun. We built a new arena. We sold the thing out. I mean, we were really had good teams. South Florida, we had we had a run. But Virginia Tech, we had a chance to have long-term success, and mm-hmm. we, we had we had a run where where we won at Duke and won at Carolina, and then the following year we started four freshmen and won eleven games in the ACC, and then uh, we had a great four-year run where those kids were the winningest uh, four years in the history of the school, and then uh, the following year we won seventeen, and uh, we'd start four freshmen and had a great recruiting class coming in, but got the you know look things happen, you get the rug pulled out from underneath you. And, you know, got some, a couple bad bounces. You don't make the tournament, even though you win 11 and 12 games in, in league. And it happens. But uh, I'm very fortunate. And, you know, like I said, I've, I'm, I'm very fortunate to be in the situation I'm in. Seth, talk, talk, I saw some of these on TV. But, you know, talk about some of the, at, both, at all of your places, some of the best wins you ever had. I think that when you look back on them, you say, how the hell do we ever beat them? You know what I mean? That type of thing. Yeah, I mean, Kansas at Kansas uh, was was a huge one when I was at Long Beach State. They were number one in the country. We just uh, we played a game on Thursday night. Mm-hmm. 
it's actually a funny story. We beat Pacifica on Thursday night, uh, and we took the red eye right after the game uh, to play VCU. We went on a two-game road trip. Uh, we owed, owed a game to VCU, so we took the red eye. Unfortunately, flight was delayed. We didn't get into into Richmond until Saturday at noon, and we finally played the game at 7, and we lost by about 100. Uh, I mean, I just remember almost getting thrown out. Sonny Smith, the great Sonny Smith, oh, walking down to our, be- our bench and going, now, Seth, you're getting your butt whipped right now. Why would you want to get thrown out of this game? I mean, he's on, he's standing in front of my bench with his with his arm around me yeah. before a coach's box. So then we uh, we leave there and we go, we fly the next morning on Sunday to Lawrence to play Kansas, who's number one in the country for a big Monday game. Oh jeez! And we proceed to just kick the living crap out of them. We held them forty-five points, and uh, we played really, really well that night. And uh, we beat the number one team in the country. So that you know, that how was about that? Spe- that was special. We beat four number one teams in the country. We beat Duke when they were number one. We won at Duke. We won at Carolina. We, you know, beating Duke on College Game Day when it was at Virginia Tech was a big thing. Just Virginia Tech hosting a College Game Day is yeah, a, it was it was a wild was a scene. Thing. I remember it. Yep, it was incredible. Yeah, it was really scene. good. But I mean, you know, like you know, the wins, you know. You know, taking that group uh, at Virginia Tech to the NCAA tournament, win a game in the tournament was big because the year before we had a number of players that lost parents to cancer right in the middle of our oh. season, and it was a very difficult. That was the year that they made the half court shot against us. Uh, Duke did uh, at the buzzer yep. with 1.6 seconds left. There was really 0.9 seconds left, but they ended up with 1.6 seconds left. But that happens at Duke. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but they still made they still made the shot. Um, but uh, for that team to bounce back and do that was was huge. I mean, really, really something that I was I was proud of. You know, the first time you take a team to the NCAA tournament when I was at Long Beach State, uh, we came back from uh, from down a bunch of points at halftime in the first round of a of a Big West Conference tournament, and then we just ran through the tournament. So I mean, I've been fortunate. I've had almost 400 wins, and I've had great players, and I've had a lot of terrific assistants, and uh, and I think we've played pretty hard and, uh, sometimes you've done better than others. And, you know, I think I, w- I would coach differently if I coach now, I would have a, a little bit different, uh, approach to the game. Uh, have more flow, less control maybe, mm-hmm. uh, but we would still, but we, you know, let's face it. When we were at Virginia tech, we did one thing. We knew we weren't going to get the guys Duke and Carolina and Maryland. Those people were getting, but we could get good athletes and develop them and we could guard people. Yeah, and that goes back to my college coach, Alabama, where it really kind of it, you know my my defensive stuff started was uh, you know he was Bob Knight's assistant at Army, he was UB Brown's high school coach, one of the greats and, of all uh, time. Yep. Yeah, and Coach Lowe always said, you know, you know, you you little sob, you know, someday you're going to have your own team, and you're going to do this stuff just like we're doing every single day. Now we didn't do everything because we switched a lot more and we trapped ball screens. He would have died. Yeah. If if I did either of those, but the foundation of what we did uh, at every place that I coached was was a lot, had a lot to do with you know my experience playing for Coach Lababo. Al Lababo was the father of man-to-man defense, and actually he taught Tate's lock, right? You know, yeah, I mean, yeah, you know, Mo Iba gets, uh, I mean, uh, Coach Iba gets the credit but, for it, but I, I, you know, I, I think that in my in my opinion, and again, I'm I'm biased because yeah. he's, we're, we're coach, East Coast but, guys. We know it was Coach Lowe. Yeah, yeah without a doubt. Yeah, but yeah. For all you man defense, 
I still have the folder. He he gave me the folder of uh, every year we'd get a little folder. Let's play defense with the little devil on it, sitting in the defensive stance, and uh, I still have it. And uh, it's kind of one of my prized possessions. But uh, so you I'm come, very fortunate you, to have played. You for come him. into FDU, which was, people don't realize it was a really good program under him. It was a really good program, and it was basically our one of our. It was one of our best rivals right down the road at Montclair State. We played them. You know, they were D1. What was it now? D1. It was major college. We used to and, kick your ass, Brendan. Come on. You weren't there, you weren't there yet. You weren't there yet. I so, know. So, um, so, um, teams. Those so, teams were really good. They were really good, his team. Right. And, and, and the Montclair teams were incredible. I mean, you know, but there was only, as you know, there was only major college and there was college division. There was none of this D1, two, you know, D2, D3. And and we had we had all these kids from Newark and Orange and East Orange and you know, Camden on our team. And, uh, but I would, I was so enamored by him and I knew that UB had told me about him. And so he used to have a phenomenal coaching clinic in the fall. Oh yeah, the best. And so I'm, you know, I know from the day I go to Montclair state, I want to be a coach. And so, and I'm a PE major and stuff. Every fall I would pay a registration fee and I would go to his clinic to learn. And he would look at me and go, Hey, you know how you talk? Hey, what are you doing here? Are you scouting? And I said, "Coach, I'm trying to learn." And he said, "Good boy, good boy." You know, and it was it, you get an apple on your way out because there were always apples on your way out. He was he was wonderful, but that's how that's how it was. That's how we learned back then. We would go to a clinic, and you would go and learn from great coaches who shared unbelievably. And that that also has changed, unfortunately. Uh, you know, but uh, Lababo was a treat that if I wish we had videos of him today to teach. God, he he was so darn good. Uh, my yeah. greatest Coach Lowe story, and I'll clean it up, is my freshman year. This is a 100% true story. Uh, coming to practice, brand new practice gear, white shorts, light blue shirts, uh, jerseys, and there's 15 chairs across foul line. And the assistant coach, Dick Wiseman, tells us all to sit down. And so we'll take a seat. And five minutes go by. Ten minutes go by. Fifteen minutes go by. Now, now at that point, I didn't realize Coach Lowe drove. He taught high school and drove in every single day to practice. Oh, wow. And, and so he was not a full-time coach. Oh, my gosh. So here comes, here comes Coach Lowe, finally, walking in, cigar in the mouth, big old huge glasses, one strand of hair wrapped around his head a hundred times <laughs> with a pound of hairspray. And he's chewing on that scar. He had the skinniest legs in the world. So he wore these maroon pants. And as he walked, it looked like he had no legs because <laughs> the pants would just sway back and forth. And I am about to crap in my pants. I have no idea what I've got myself into. And he walks, he walks in front of us once and twice and three times. And I'm going, oh my God, what the hell's going on here? And about ready with the white shorts almost lost it. And he stops right in the middle and goes, Hey, I'm your coach. Hello. Well, first of all, no kidding. You're our coach. This is the reason that we're here. We, we know you're our coach. But what comes out after that was better than absolutely anything. He said, You can say you anything you like want me. on this podcast, so don't worry about I know, about but first. I can't. I want <laughs> oh, yeah, you to okay, like me. Okay, okay, okay. I want you to like me, not to love me. Because loving leads to blanking, and no one blanks Alabama. Oh, my God. 
Uh, that's a true story. Now, hold on one second. Someone's knocking at the door here. Very busy house here today. Hold on. <laughs> Seth called his last time out. Probably Jay Bill is at the door, so he's, he's going to answer. First guy we've ever had to answer the door during a podcast, but we'll be right back after this break. I wanted to announce a new partnership between Coaching You and Inner Zone Sports. You know, for a long time, one of the intangibles by coaches and athletes is team chemistry. And it's a major factor all the time in whether a team has success or failure. When it, the folks from Interzone came to me at Coaching You and said, we can even help your team, I was all ears. And what we did is we took a quick assessment, two to four minutes each person, and we were stunned by what we found out about ourselves and our team. You owe it to yourself to find out what Interzone can do for your team. It's the simplest and fastest and most accurate software available to measure team chemistry. I highly recommend, without any reservation, the use of Interzone with your team, whether you're a middle school, high school, college, or professional team, to help take you to the next level. For further information, go to coachingyoulive.com slash Interzone. That's I-N-N-E-R. Z-O-N-E. A lot of stuff going on at the Greenberg House today. Karen Greenberg's in California. I got Jake the Wonder Dog. Yeah. <laughs> hey, but that is a 100% true story. I want you to like me, not to love me, because loving leads to blanking and no one blanks Alabama. I love and it, then man. he just stood there and looked at us for about two minutes. Oh, she's crying out loud. And, and then we did zigzag. <laughs> zigzag drill, yeah, zigzag drill. And then roll out the ball, take the charge drill, the whole deal, yeah. Yep, yeah, the whole bit, every Rebounding day. war. And you, know, and, yeah. I, oh, and you know, the fun thing is, I had a 40-minute defensive workup. It was different drills, but which was basically similar in concept, at least, to what we did. I called it 40 minutes of defense. And it was, you know, when I look back at, at some of my old Fairleigh Dickinson stuff, which I also keep, which is really crazy, uh, it's pretty much the same thing. All right. I wanted to ask you this. You have one of the most enviable jobs for someone like me to look at because I love to watch coaches in practice. You know, other coaches. Not my. I hate coaching in practice sometimes, but I love to watch other people great teachers you get the opportunity to go see the best coaches in the country coach what have you learned in from and you don't have to tell me names if you don't want to but what have you learned from different guys and i think that's what i happens to me you know when i go yeah i i I spend the whole month of basically the last week of september and and the first three weeks of october going around and watching about 20 or 30 practice and then every time we go somewhere you know i see the best coaches in the country preparing mm-hmm. their teams, which, which is really good. It, it, you know, quite honestly, Brendan, as you know, it's, a lot of it it reinforces what you knew already. Sure. You know, uh, the biggest thing is not it's not what you say, but how you say it. Some guys just have a gift. Mm-hmm. They they can they can say certain things in a way that really reaches a kid. Now there are two types of coaches, and I, I talk about this all the times. They're buyers and sellers. Like here's the deal. All right. Coach K, Cal, Izzo, Self, you know, some of the, you know, the, the, the real Hall of Fame guys. Let me tell you something. Whatever they say, those kids are buying. Everyone else, you're selling your ass off every single day. Mm-hmm. You're selling your ass off to your players, to your boosters, to your administration, 
to anyone and and anyone that would listen. So, I mean, that's just one thing just in general, but it's, it's not what you say. It's how you say it. That's really good. Two, I think I, I, I would go up and down more because, uh, you know, we always talk about flow. We always talk about, you know, having, you know, being up to transition from offense into concepts into, you know, the first seven, you know, the new big thing is, oh, the first seven seconds and a clock is for the players. And then the next 12 seconds of the clock is for me. And then we, you know, enough. You know, what, what you need to do is people people get too caught up in teaching plays and not concepts. And and that's one thing I'm proud of. We did a lot of that. We we were we were well ahead of the curve. And I think a lot of had to do with Five Star mm-hmm. in teaching concepts of how to play, how to use screens, how to play off spacing, penetration reads, uh, making extra passes, uh, you know, those type of things. Uh, but I think that as I watch now, coaches are really getting – uh, doing more playing up and down more and then coaching through that uh, ODOs uh, you know and I know in the NBA which is obviously a big part of your background I still remember watching the Orlando Magic's first day of practice when Stan Gundy was there and the second practice they went full scrimmage mm-hmm. full scrimmage and they they taught out of that and I would spend more time uh, doing my skill work individually and then doing more, uh, everything I would do, even all my defensive drills, I would go ODO. I'd go offense, defense, offense, and get the, you know, one, one, once we have enough in to get the guys to think in transition, to see plays develop earlier, to uh, understand the flow. We talk about flow, and it's easy 5-0, and but you got to do some, you know, against live defenses. And I think the best coaches, it seems to me, have done more of that. Uh, I think the other thing is the best guys aren't afraid to coach their best players. And I still remember it sitting with, uh, with UB Brown and Nick's training camp, uh, after practice, he invited me up to his hotel for lunch. And you know, he said, your best player has to be on your side, but I would say he's got to be on your side, but you can't be afraid to coach him. Obviously it was coach Brown was never afraid, to, you know, obviously that was never an issue, but, uh, but, 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 um, I think that too many times we see this one and done, and that's why you know Cal's been able to do what he's been able to do. Like he's a brilliant coach, and people think he's a great recruiter. Let me tell you something: he might be as good or better a coach than he is a recruiter because he's going to hold guys accountable and he's going to make them understand how to play. How do you get the number one and number two players in the draft? All right, and you know what? Those guys shot I think the fifth, fourth, and fifth most shots on your team. Yeah. That's crazy, but you know, I you know, I, I think that you've got to, you can't be afraid, and even in the environment that we have today, where kids transfer in a heartbeat, uh, even the environment today where you know everyone's got a guy and a workout guru and this guy and that guy, you got to be able to coach your best players, and I think that's the hardest thing that you guys went through when you were at at LSU with Ben, and as good as Ben is. Uh, you know, Ben, Markel Fultz, you can go right around. It's hard when you only have one of those dudes because you got jealousy within your team uh, because of those guys, because they're so good, because they're getting attention, because they've it's earned attention. But if you, you know how players are, uh, you know, they, they never, they always think that you're, you know, you're hard on them and easy on the other guy. Yeah. I mean, I, I had two great players. Zabin Adel, Jamon Gordon were two of the best guards I've ever coached. Uh, two, two best guards history of Virginia Tech. One was defensive player of the year in the ACC. Think about that from Virginia Tech. The other guy was first team all league, 
dropped 33 at Carolina and we beat them. When they're seniors, I take them both out to lunch after they graduate, uh, after the season's over. I go, uh, what's the biggest thing that bothers you, Zabe? He goes, oh, man, you just always kissing Jermon's rear end. Jermon this, Jermon that. Jermon's sitting there shaking his head going, man, you got to be crazy. I said, Zabe, you were coach's favorite. I mean, yeah, Zabe gets the shot. Zabe does this. Zabe. And it just and these guys are roommates for four years, best friends. But the other players always perceive that when you when you coach them hard, you're they're the only ones. They don't hear the, the ten things you're saying that are great, but they hear the one the, the one or two times you jump at them. So I think that not being afraid to coach your best players is a really Huge. really important thing. And 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 if 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 the players sense you're going to coach that guy differently, I'll tell you one thing: that's that's a that's a big time problem. Uh, so I, you know, I, I think I've learned that, uh, and and I, and I, I just, I just think that continuing to build, uh, and and probably the last thing is, and we got good at this at, at Tech, I, and this is something uh, that I was not good at when I was a young coach, and I always tell young coaches, one, you work so hard to become a head coach, one, you better enjoy it, because what's the sense of working that hard if you're not going to enjoy it? And when I first became a head coach. I probably didn't enjoy it as much. Even you know, losing obviously takes that away from you a little bit. But you know, I think that you coach a game, you learn from the game, you wipe the slate clean, and then you cannot bring that last game back into your practice. Because if you bring it back into your practice, you never move forward. You always stay in the past. That's great. No, that's huge. Chuck used to call it uh, Irish memory which wouldn't be in your vocabulary, obviously, but Irish memory, <laughs> Irish memory for him was at midnight, no matter what happened, we start a new day, you know, and, yeah. and because Irish folks, he said, would go out, meet him being Irish, would go out and get drunk and they would forget what happened the night before. So that was what he said, yeah. but it was, it's really good in, in, in coaching. I think I agree with you. Hey, I want to try a, a couple of things. One thing, uh, you got the last couple of years to do the, TBT, the basketball tournament. What are your feelings ah, about the greatest? That? Yeah, I know the you greatest love it. man. It's yeah, the Elam ending. I mean, first of all, you get a chance to see. You see the guys. Guys get older; they really know how to play. Like the good, the good, hey. guy, good the good veteran teams. Those dudes are really know how to play. The overseas elite, unbelievable. Those guys were good college, good college players. They are great pros. Yeah, because they, you know what. They understand time and score. They don't get ruffled. They they mat, They meet every single run. They're competitive and tough. They yep. never lose their poise. Isn't that great? Um, yeah, because you know what, your light bulb goes on, and guys, you know, you play enough games. Like here's the thing, and I use overseas lead as an example. People think uh, you know if you don't make the NBA, hey, just go overseas. Going overseas is hard. Really? One, the money's not what it used to be for everyone. It's a huge adjustment. There's a language, there's food, there's culture, there's everything else. If you can survive all those things, you're a grown man, and you have a maturity about you, and you have a, a, a shared experiences with other guys that have done that. Uh, and you got to remember now, overseas, they they my brother doesn't, and my brother coaches overseas. He, he only practices once a day, but those dudes practice twice a day. Yeah. And, and, you know, if you're, if you're playing in your cup, you might play two games a week. Uh, but you've seen so much basketball and the basketball is a little bit different that, uh, they become PhDs in basketball. Sure. And I love the TBT. I mean, I, you see uh, players that emerge, you see how hard it is. You see, it's like playing in the park, man. You win, you stay on, you lose, 
boom, you go home. And that Elam ending for that type of tournament, where it's an you know, Elam ending is basically four minutes, under four minutes. Interesting. Seven points win. So oh, it's great. So if you're up 60 to 55, you get to 67, you win. The other team at 55, they got to get to 67 to win. A lot of strategy involved. Uh, and every game, you know, ends up a lot of times as a game winner. Isn't that great? Uh, it's like walk-off home runs, you know. That's great. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, and you and Franny Frischella and, of course, Dan Dockage get to do that. And the passion you, all three of you have for it comes through loud. Oh, it's so much fun. On, on it's screen, so much fun. Big time. Talk about NCA. I know you guys, one of the great things that you, JJ, and Reese get to talk about is all the issues on a weekly basis in basketball and, of course, uh, Last year, preseason, we got hit with the FBI investigation, and that kind of was a stain all season, and we all have our feelings about that. Uh, and then a couple of weeks ago, they came back with uh, their solution, so to speak, and kind of missed out big time, my my opinion. But Yeah, they didn't say anything. They yeah, didn't do anything. Yeah, well, I mean, look, I'm not – I see, Jay and Jay are – you know, I'm not an NCAA hater. I no, I'm not either. I'm just saying, you know, your feelings on some of that. Yeah, but 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 what what you know, there were there are a number of things. One, there was a lot of smoke and mirrors, like saying, well, you know, rising seniors can have representation. No, they can't. The, the NBA hasn't even voted on in the collective bargaining if if they're going to allow, you know, graduating seniors uh, into the draft. So that 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 that's that. that just throwing that out was ridiculous. 2022 is going to be the first year at 2022. Yeah, 22. Yeah, which is is, is absurd. You you're talking about 4 years from now. Why 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 that shouldn't even be in the conversation. Yes. I mean, that means they And then like, well, if you get yeah. go if you go to the combine and you don't get drafted, you can go back to college. Well, here's the deal. If only you can go back to college and be eligible only at the school you left. So what if you go to the combine, you don't go to the combine? And you put your name in the draft, and you don't get drafted. So then it makes no difference. You're, you're done. Your history. You got. You got. You got to stay in draft. Well, you didn't even get drafted, but because you didn't get invited to the combine, or you go to the combine and you don't get drafted, and that school that you were at thinks you're leaving. So you know what they do? They go use your scholarship. Mm -hmm. That same guy, he can't then go to another school. He can't go to somewhere else and be eligible right away. He's got to go sit out. So that that was. That just was it, was, it wasn't well planned out. They didn't talk to Number coaches, two is you, you can tell. Yep. No, it's just, it's a joke. And then, like, the whole thing with the summer camps and, you know. Uh, Silly. And and, tur and tournaments. Here's the deal. Like, a group like the Hoop Group, which is basically the modern-day Great, day great, great group. A great organization. Yep. Doing so much good for, you know, mid-majors, low-majors, yep. D2s, D3s. Like, are they the root of all evil? <laughs> and, like, grassroots basketball. Let me tell you, there's so much good being done in grassroots basketball. And, look, I work for Adidas. I do some stuff for them. Sure. We did an All-American camp this year. It has nothing to do with that. The bottom line is there's some really good guys in grassroots basketball. There's sure. some bad ones, too. Yeah. You know, there's some really good high school coaches. There's some bad ones, too. So, like, we're, we're stereotyping. I hate stereotypes. Yeah. I don't care what walk of life. I, I grew up in... In New York, you know, a family of, of immigrants, uh, you know, my grandparents came over on the boat. I mean, like, the worst thing that you could do, if, if, I, if I, when I was growing up, if, if I even thought about saying something like that to, to stereotype and put people in boxes, mm -hmm. my parents and grandparents would kick my ass. Right. 
that said, that's not the way we think. That's not the right way to think. Everyone, you know, has an opportunity, you know, to be and do whatever, whoever they want. They have a, they have a blank slate. And, uh, you know, the way they've depicted good and bad is wrong. And then do you really think the NCAA should be in the camp business? <laughs> and then, or the NBA should be in the camp business? So now you're going to have NBA guys who all have agents helping run camp. No, they won't have an agenda. Sure. Okay. And then what's the worst really right now today, the worst way to evaluate kids, quite honestly. So you bring the, these kids to regional camps. You got one regional camp in each area. One, one opportunity. What if a kid plays bad that, that day? What if he has a bad point guard and, and he doesn't touch the ball? What if he's on a bad team? What if he's on a, a coach because they're just you know hiring coaches to that 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 do, doesn't do a, a good job and is not really into it? Sure. And then what about the high school in the states that say you know what you know what our state association says you can't have any interaction with your kids in the summer? So all that scholastic quote unquote scholastic uh, opportunities available? Well, you know like. State of Connecticut, you can't coach your kids in the summer. Right, right. So, I mean, I just think they missed. This is one of those where they really, they really missed on all accounts. It was yeah. really disappointing. And uh, and why did it have to come down in August? Like, here's the thing: why did they put a timetable on it? Why not say, you know, we're going to look at things because all we're going to have to do is fix it again. We're going to look at things. We're going to take our time. You know, we're going to make certain things. We're going to make all these ter- uh, tournament. Uh, people that run tournaments more accountable fiscally, but we don't want to make any drastic changes until we look at this thing from all sides. That's all they had to do. But they put we're going to have this done in August. Yeah. Why is why was August the magic month? And I heard we didn't see any of the folks on the committee at any of the summer events either, which is really well. They had they had subcommittees. Like I was at an Adidas event in New York, and it was a subcommittee, and and I met with the people, and I actually think they actually agreed with me. Yeah. No, uh, how could uh, you not? I agree. And but and they said, "Well, we gave the first week of we gave the first week of July back." Well, you know, yeah, that's a good event. I mean, Adidas has an event. Uh, I think Under Armour's event, Peach Jam goes on. That's great. But if it's good for that week, why wouldn't you give the second week back? Mm-hmm. Why wouldn't you want young kids? Like, here's the deal: Why wouldn't you want shoe companies are bad? No, they're not. They give kids opportunities to go all over the country, all over the world. Uh, they subsidize kids that maybe couldn't afford those opportunities. Sure. What's so wrong with that? It just doesn't make any sense yeah, to me. I agree. Totally but those agree. schools, the NCAA, let me ask you this, Brennan. You worked at LSU. They probably had a pretty good Nike contract. Hey, LSU's not giving them back any of that money. I wish I got some of it, man. I wish I had. But some I mean, but I mean, <laughs> I mean, they're not giving. Uh, no, all I these agree. schools that are saying NCAA saying the shoe companies are bad, but you know what? They're not giving back any of that money. Not there's not one member institution. They're Mm-mm. still signing those contracts. Mm-mm. All right, I want to do something real quick with you. I think you'll love this. Uh, I want to take some of your friends that we know in college that you cover on a weekly basis during the season, and if you can, one line about him, a comment about him. Mm-hmm. Okay, sure. Uh, Porter Moser, a teacher, a basketball junkie, a lifer. Um, a guy that respects the game. Sean Miller. Tremendous teacher with great uh, basketball pedigree. Uh, his dad was probably the best coach mm. in their family. No one even <laughs> knows right. who he is. And, and, it, and it sickens me to see, you know, uh, and I had to do this on college game day. And, I remember uh, that. Know, I said, if these, if, if these accusations are true, uh, I mean, I, I, I was emotional that day. 
Yeah. I hope they're not, but I mean, it, 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 it saddens me if they are. Yeah. Bill Self. Unbelievable teacher. And, um, he's, he's an incredible ability to communicate and, and, and coaches kids hard without being demeaning. Mark few. Uh, totally lost in the game, uh, comfortable in his own skin, uncompromising, but yet a relent, but people don't understand a relentless recruiter. Really? Wow. Relentless, not good, great recruiter. But part of being a good recruiter is part of being a good recruiter is knowing who can play for you. Yeah, it, it, who fits right, and where to and where to get that kid to fit right. And he's done a yeah. great job of that. Yeah, I mean, like you, the key to a good assistant is knowing who can play for your head coach. <laughs> good point. How about John Beeline? Never be another one like him. Never been an assistant coach. Ageless. I mean, he, the guy's incredible. I mean, I mean, I mean, uh, he's obviously went through the surgery, had a couple yeah. of stints put in, but, but he, um, his, the prism that he looks at the game and his system and teaching, uh, is all through the eyes of a head coach because he's never been an assistant and he is an absolute tactician offensively. Rick Bettino. He can take his team and beat you. He can take your team and beat you. Tragic. Wow. Wow, that's phenomenal. True, too. Izzo. Uh, the most detail-oriented, passionate coach in America that um, cares so much uh, about his players, his program, and, and, his, uni- and, and his university. He cares probably more about his players, his program, and his university than any other coach in America. Agree. He bleeds green. He bleeds green. We talked about him earlier, Coach Cal. Uh, probably the uh, the most underappreciated teacher and coach in America that looks at the business of the business through a prism that none of us even understand. Mm-hmm. He's not one step ahead. He's two steps ahead of everyone uh, because he never stops thinking about uh, the game, the perfect coach for Kentucky. Mm-hmm. Uh, the big blue nation is his drug and he's addicted to it. Uh, but he's an absolute uh, and the most loyal dude in the world. That's, that's like, awesome. Like the first phone call I got when I got fired was John Calpari. And, uh, you know, besides being a great coach and, you know, he's like the Ringling Brothers and Barnum and Bailey of college basketball. He's probably as good a friend to his people as as anyone in any profession. That's huge. And uh, the Godfather himself, Coach K. Ageless in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's amazing, and obviously, he still doesn't have a gray hair. <laughs> I mean, it's <laughs> unbelievable. But uh, you know, he hasn't lost his passion for the game. Uh, I, he, he's very smart in that he surrounded himself with his former players that basically can explain to his current players, you know, what Duke is and who he is, uh, and, uh, you know, what he's created. If you think about it, he took the job at Duke coming off a losing season in army, if I'm not, uh, if I'm not 
if I recollect correctly. He was a year away from getting fired at Duke. Yeah. Uh, but yet, and, and probably in today's environment, he probably wouldn't have lasted. Uh, but he, uh, he, his ability to change with the times, and I do think that the U.S. Olympic experience has invigorated him and invigorated their recruiting. You know, I coached against uh, Kay when I was at Fairfield. He was at Army. And he had a good team. Not a great team, good team. And at the time when he left to go to Duke, I was young, so I didn't know a whole lot, but I just knew just from coaching against guys, that guy was as good a coach as I'd ever seen. And he and George Blaney at Holy Cross at the time were the two best coaches I had seen that I'd ever played or coached against. They were that good. And uh, I'm so happy for Mike because, you know, he was with Chuck with the Dream Team and just he's never changed, which I love about him. He's him. Yeah, it's it's amazing what he's done. I think the Olympic thing as a head coach, just totally, obviously invigorated him. And, and I think that, I think the thing is that he's been able to do is, you know, when I think of Duke, you know, I'm see this team this year. When I coached against Duke, they didn't let you reverse the basketball. And it was, they took you out of everything you wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And well, that's why I'm saying, you know, you know about evolving. I mean, now they, you know, in a lot of ways, they, they, they've tried to outscore you. Which is, so, I mean, which is, which I think, is fun part of crazy. coaching, which is fun. You know, you learn yeah, different ways. Yeah, but it's totally to do opposite. It. Yo, it, yeah. You know, he used to be, uh, you know, just a few years ago, you'll play defense and then I'll let you do what you want on offense, right? I mean, you know, kind of. Yeah. That's like, and now it's kind of. But if I had those guys that he has, I might let him play oh. offense too, boy. And Mike D'Antoni, like like he he's comfortable enough his own skin to let a guy like Mike D'Antoni impact him. You know what? He he's a hundred percent right on that. And I, you know, I never thought. You know, we, we back when we had the dream team, as you know, Seth in '92, we had to have two college coaches on the staff. We had PJ, and we had uh, Mike. Sorry. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. PJ. PJ was great. He got all the dinner reservations and everything like that. You uh, name every every waiter or waitress, and, and, and he cursed and he cursed enough for the whole staff, right? But oh, and, you know, but it, and he could really coach too. It was a beautiful, beautiful arrangement uh, to have, and and Mike soaked up what Chuck and Lenny were talking about. But he learned he was enamored by Michael and Magic. And Bird and those guys, and I think it opened his eyes to things, you know. And then, uh, when I remember when Chuck had to go to this meeting in Chicago with Colangelo to talk about how we were going to change after the 2004 debacle in Greece, how we we're going to change the Olympics to get our country back on track. And I remember Chuck said to Jerry, you know, because the big thing was pros will only play for pros. And Chuck says, I think we need to make Mike the coach. And, like, mouths opened. And uh, you know what? He was right on the money. He's really changed the culture of our, him and Jerry have changed the culture of our. Yeah, and they've created a culture. I'm not, you know, there was none before. There was none before. There was none before. Yeah, and now they've created a culture where guys want to actually play. Yes. Which is an amazing thing. I mean, considering it was almost a burden, and now it's become an honor. Seth, I'm going to send you a shirt now because you have now done the longest coaching you podcast in our history. 
<laughs> See, true story. And so, that's because of Jake. That's yeah, because of Jake. Jake the Wonder Jake Dog, and you both. I'll send Jake a shirt also. But I, I love your walks <laughs> with Jake, where you teach. You know, you do those your thing. But man, oh, they're that, coming back. They're coming back uh, in the next, uh, probably next week. You know, we're we're back be, at it. You know, the, you know, Billis can have his ninety-four feet with Jay. Who gives a dang? Okay, but I want to. I want to walk with Jake. That's the deal, man. That's, oh, that's the there's guy. no doubt about it. My daughter will probably create a uh, talking ball while walking Jake the Wonder Dog shirt because she's in charge of all that. Paige or who? Which one? Paige. Yeah, course, she's awesome. One. She's awesome, man. Uh, but hey, don't thank- take a sw- hey, don't take a swipe at her old man because you take a swipe at her old man, she'll come right. Yeah, back I know that. I know that. I, I love. I love your dad. I love your dad. But hey, thanks so much. This was great, and oh, I know everyone's going to listen. You're the best, man. All right, man. Thanks. Hey, that was fun. Uh, Seth is such a great friend and, uh, you know, uh, comes from so much experience. The thing I love about what Seth talked about is every step of his basketball career. As my friend Brad Stevens says, he didn't skip steps, and it's so important in your growth. All of our young coaches that listen, make sure you understand you can't skip steps. That's how we came up. I hate to say it. The old days, okay, but you know what? It's timeless. Hard work, all those tips he gave you were terrific. Uh, So thank you to Seth. Uh, Remember, um, all the things that he talked about are incredibly meaningful. Uh, Till next week, this is The Coach, Brendan Sear. 